0: hello everyone guess what i'm back this is cb bowman live with challenges of the c-suite you know it is tuesday hey what do you think about my new lipstick color Mm, i don't know i think it makes me look older and i need everything i can do to make me look younger these days and notice the new hair this is going to change back i yeah uh i'm not rocking this one But you know, you have to test things. You have to keep it fresh, right? So along with keeping it fresh, do I have a fresh guest today? I am so glad you tuned in because you are going to meet Bonnie. Bonnie is a kick-ass woman of the truest definition. And you know that's my favorite phrase because that's the only kind of women that I know, right? We get out there and we hit the ground running and we move things so that we can benefit and other women can benefit. And Bonnie has written a phenomenal book about us as women sitting on boards. You know that's my passion is to get women on boards. And I didn't even know this until about 15 minutes ago See, i mean what how could cb bowman not know this and what's worse my organization the association of corporate executive coaches gave her a thought leader award this year where am i this is pretty pathetic i'll tell you where i am i'm making broadcasts for you all and bringing the best of the best and working on my diversity and equity work that you know I do and very excited about it. But I'm going back now to my coaching space and welcoming Bonnie. Wait till you hear the book she has written. Bonnie, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, CB. And if I could weigh in, I do like your lipstick color. I think Thank it
0: great. Thank you. Oh, you do? My husband likes me in bright red, and I just got tired of it. And I thought, I'm going to order this on Amazon and see how it works. Looks great. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good fall color, right? (laughs) It is. So, Bonnie, thank you for weighing in. And tell first, let's start at the beginning. Tell us about you as a little person, as when you first came on board and hit the ground running.
1: Well, I don't know how far back you want me to go. I can give you just the highlights. I grew up on a farm in western Oklahoma, and I went and I initially thought I was going to teach at a university, and so I started going down the teaching path, taught high school English for three years, hated it with uh, an immense passion, and (laughs) so I went back, got a master's degree in counseling psychology, then I started working with business and industry, in a technology center that served juniors seniors adults and business and industry and when i as soon as i did i we worked with a company called ditch Witch. that was my first company to work with and i was doing some career coaching for mid-level managers at Ditchwich. and what all of a sudden i was like oh this is where i fit i fit in corporate because you know I, growing up on a farm, I was raised exactly like a Western Oklahoma boy, like I was in the fields, I was in the tractors. And so it was all about results and production and, and public education isn't really like that. So when I made it to corporate, especially at a company like DitchWish, you know, where I was doing this work, I was like, this is it, I fit here. So I've been in corporate ever since. I did some management work. I worked for CPP, the publisher of the Myers-Briggs and other great assessments like the CPI. And then I went started running my own firms in 2001, uh, acquired EDA in 2007, and we are building Wait, technology.
0: To, what's EDA and what do you mean you acquired it? And before you answer that, I have a message from, I think her name, well, I'm just going to go with the last name cause I don't want to put you the first name, Miss Carter. She says, I'm in for 30 minutes. I abbreviated one of my meetings because I really wanted to join today. Well, Ms. Carter, welcome, and please send us your questions. Okay, now, EDA. So
1: EDA is a company that has been in business since 1982. It was founded by Jim Bolt, and so many of your listeners I know will know Marshall Goldsmith. Well, Marshall and Jim Bolt are very good friends. In fact, Marshall will tell you that Jim had a major impact on his career. And um, Marshall married Jim and one of his ex-wives. And so <laughs> okay. So but they everything's still they're still very close, not Marshall, I mean yes, Marshall and Jim, but also Jim and the ex-wife but uh, they uh, but that whole group is um, you know was Marshall Goldsmith, Jim Bolt, Ken Blanchard, Bev Kay, you know, all these uh, amazing uh, thought leaders um, or you know, I got to know them through Jim and through, get uh, acquiring EDAs, the consulting side of the business.
0: Was Howard Morgan part of that group?
1: I think so. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. such a good man. Yeah. Bill Bridges. So this is a funny story if I could tell it really quick. Yes. So here's what, here's what Jim Bolt did to me. So we're going through this process. He stayed with me for a year and a half to teach me because we had leadership development and coaching. We did things like career and assessment centers and all that in my company before. But Jim had founded EDA um, to be to do strategic executive development. So top 5% of the companies designing things from anything from a two-day program to a two-year program or a corporate university, you know, doing the whole architecture, design, running it if necessary, and um, and working with the large companies, Fortune 500s, at the top of the house. And so he mentored me for a year and a half to sort of get that up to the top. And so one of the first things he did, and I remember going through the acquisition where Jim Bold and Mike Dolworth, who runs Executive Networks, which used to be together with EDA, Mike Dolworth were sitting there at the table and Jim said, or Mike may have said it, you should take her to the learning network. And I see them sort of exchange glances and it's like wink, wink. And so um, I'm thinking, yes, I should go to the learning network. Good idea. So Jim takes me and I'm at the time we were, we were had just either, I think just completed the the acquisition. So now I'm like really trying to get these two businesses together. I'm working like a hundred hour weeks. I'm a, I'm a young mother. And on top of it, And Jim said, so we go to San Diego. We're going to go to the Learning Network. And I'm thinking, really asking myself, why am I here? Because I'm exhausted. And now I'm going to a meeting and Jim has told me, ah, it's just a bunch of consultants. And I'm thinking, why am I going to meet a bunch of consultants? And so anyway, we walk in the next day. And the first person I see is Bill Bridges, who wrote Transitions. And then I see Bev Kay, and then I see uh, Ken Blanchard, and Jim Kuzis, and you know Marshall, and you know it goes on and on. And so um, I, I was like, "You could have told me." Uh, so <laughs> I could have been been read their books. I could have been ready for this. So anyway, it was it was interesting.
0: Oh, I love that story. And so how did you
1: acquire them? I mean, tell me about the finances and all that stuff. Well, what happened was um, I, you know, about every seven years or so, I need to grow, keep growing. You know, like if I do the same thing for a while, I just have to keep growing. And so um, I had ran my company before, after I left CPP from 2001 to 2007, and I just, we'd grown nicely, but I either wanted to get acquired or do an acquisition. So that was my next growth because I didn't want to have a practice. I wanted to have a business and so and be a leader. So um, so that was what I, I I hired, two different business coaches at different times to teach me how to be a business person because I didn't really want to go back and get an MBA. I just wanted to learn while I was doing it. I love this. And so um, so one of them was working with me at the time. He's got his name's Scott Glazowski. He has built multiple tech companies and sold them. And he also um, is a well-known uh, technology futurist speaker. But he was my coach at the time and my business coach. And he was teaching me how to do acquisitions and all of this. So he helped me to to, you know, through our connections and everything hear about this particular one, and I was also in conversations with a company that was trying to acquire us at the same time. So it came down to within two days where we've had the offer on the table to get acquired and we we had this opportunity to acquire EDA. And so what happened with EDA was um, it used to be both uh, this top of the house consulting, you know, executive development and networks. So like HR networks and leadership development networks. And so Mike Dulworth had acquired the majority of the business when when I bought it from Jim and Mike wanted the networks, but he didn't want to keep the consulting. And so he spun that out. We got the brand and everything with it. And then he changed to executive networks. And we're friends today. Mike's a great person. He runs great networks and um, he's got some books out as well. So when you say
0: we acquired, who's we?
1: Well, it was, I mean, I'm majority owner, but, you know, my company is what I meant. We had a company. I
0: love this. The only thing I don't like about your story is you said we instead of I. (laughs) Typical,
1: right? (laughs)
0: we we'll start to have a whole conversation about how women speak. We should, I know.
1: So that's another thing we are, we were talking about before the show about how women, um, you know, need to help each other and everything. Well, in this network, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, um, that I'm in, I, I did notice, and these are extremely high level women. And I noticed that to a person, they undersell themselves.
0: Yes. We all do. And yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I'm gonna say this lightly. I don't understand the psychology, but I do understand the psychology. What I don't understand is how long is it gonna take for us to get rid of that? Because dragging around 32 ton weight tied to our bodies and we just need to stop it. And so I hope you don't mind that I just had to say something. I don't mind. You're a powerhouse. (laughs) Thank you for the feedback, right? I wanted (laughs) wanted listeners to be clear that it was you. Thank you. (laughs) And not some guy. My husband will kill me, but not some guy pushing you along, you know? Oh, no, I definitely
1: didn't have someone pushing me. <laughs> Might have had someone trying to hold me back a little bit. but
0: There you go. That's the flip side,
1: right? <laughs> but you know what? That gives us strength. Yeah, I was talking to another woman um recently, a good friend of mine, and her uh, partner, it, you know, is not the best at supporting and you know, that's what I said to her is, it's making you stronger because it, you know, resistance makes us stronger.
0: Yeah. And hopefully, and it sounds like she has, cause she knows you, she has a counterbalance to that. Yes. Because sometimes with women, we have this, and I'm going to just call it out weakness, right? And this is not in your case, clearly, um, and we don't have a counterbalance right. right and we don't have the strength to move where we need to move to play chess right but right. you know that's okay if you don't have the wherewithal to play
1: chess but you do
0: need a counterbalance at right. all times and
1: so I agree completely and I just you know I just want to tell you if you're a woman and you're out there and you're listening and you don't you don't have the partner that supports you I want you to know we're out here cheering you on. You've got energy and support coming to you from other women who are out here in the game, in the arena. You know, one of my favorite quotes is the Roosevelt man in the arena. You could change it to woman, but it's great just like it is. And so, um, you know, if you're out there in the arena and you're feeling beat up, just know we're cheering you on. With this caveat, don't come to
0: us to whine. Don't come to us how? To whine.
1: To whine, (laughs) exactly. (laughs)
0: Because I know for myself, I would support any woman who wants to move up in business. But if you want to whine, I am not your person.
1: I agree. In fact, when I when I did my counseling psychology degree, I fell in love with reality therapy. Oh. Which is like basically snap out of it. (laughs) Like we're not we're not going to look backwards. we're going to go forward (laughs) that's my (laughs) philosophy I have
0: said to many people my philosophy is to jump first then figure out where I'm going to land and if that that is what I do do
1: all the time and I consistently bite off more than I can chew yeah well I'm not
0: going to admit to that I will say (laughs) I have hit some boulders doing it that way but you know what i always figure get up dust yourself off and go for the jump again right
1: absolutely absolutely and, and we get more done because we jumped in in the middle of it and you have to figure it out because you're there
0: absolutely absolutely and i want to talk about your book because this is so important i have tried personally for years to get a board seat on a for-profit board i've sat on non-for-profit boards it is excruciatingly difficult it is and it shouldn't because we have the wisdom we have the wisdom for several reasons one just flat out being a woman two because we have had to work our backsides off to be successful right. and company needs that kind of knowledge that kind of wisdom in order to keep and continue their success we've had to fight much harder than men and i'm not saying anything new and so therefore company a b or z why not benefit from that knowledge instead of making us jump through hoops and hoops and hoops to share what we know. And you have written an amazing book. Can you hold it up? I will.
1: There it is, comes out October 19th.
0: The Coaching, the Courage to Advance. Yes. And it takes women and men on a journey of understanding what five leaders needed to go through in order to that level hey you're doing and it's okay i am so sorry i know what hey the people that sign in for this show know life happens my (laughs) dog barks my husband kisses me goodbye the you know the whole nine. go answer your doorbell and come
1: back okay i'm sorry one second
0: So isn't this exciting? We get to look at the real life of a successful woman, right? So exciting. You know, this happens because we do it all. We don't just stop and have time set aside just for business. We have to run a house. We have to take care of whatever is in the house and we have to run a business. And so, what better way to see how a power woman handles herself when the doorbell rings and she's in the middle of a call? It's great.
1: Go for it. Flexibility. That's another thing we should talk about. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So in your book where you've examined uh, women who have made it to the top, there are certain competencies that you recognize that they should have or we should have in striving for the top. Can you take us through those competencies without giving away too much of the book? am not being- asked. Oh
1: yes, no, I'd love to. So uh, but I also want to say something about what you said a minute ago, where you were talking about how we, women, how, we, how we've had to work so hard to be where we are. You know, I read both Condoleezza Rice's books, uh, several of her books, and then also Colin Powell's. Uh-huh. And, um, one of the things that they both said is they grew up in the same neighborhood and in their neighborhood, there was a phrase that you have to be twice as good.
0: It's not only and, in the neighborhood, it's, it, it's the black community. Yes, exactly. Like all people of color.
1: Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. And I think it's true for women in business. Yes. Oh. And so when you, when you talked about how hard it is to get on a board, it's, it's true. And it is hard. And what I'm seeing, you know, like I've had multiple people say to me that there are not enough qualified women. Hmm. And I know, I know makes me furious, too. In fact, I, I went on a little rant about it when the whole SEC NAS, NASDAQ thing came out where the um, where the Republicans were trying to just say, and I'm not anti-Republican. I'm center right myself. I just was they were saying that's not fair, there are not enough qualified women. And I said, that's not true because uh, the women I know could run circles around the board members I know. And so, <laughs> so um, you know, you, you're right about that being really difficult and we, we are, there are a lot of great women and they're ready. So, so here's what happened.
0: So wait a second. So I have to tell you, I'm so used to that phrase. It doesn't bother me in the way that it might shock people. Because people of color, Wells Fargo CEO, we can't find people of color for this level of leadership. You hear it. We hear it over and over and over. Mm -hmm. What are you looking underneath uh, a book or something? You can't open the darn book. You know, it's.
1: So it's ridiculous. It's a cop out. And that's what. So I was being interviewed by a reporter on the issue about the NASDAQ and um, the Republican Party pushing back. So the, uh, the issue on the NASDAQ, for those of you who don't know, is that they have pushed that if you're going to be listed, you have to have a woman on your board or you have to explain why you haven't. And also other diversity measures, not just women on boards. But um,
0: you but and so. Is- I'm sorry to interrupt. I get fired up. The problem is they pick one person, and that every single NASDAQ company uses the same one person.
1: Yes, and they're all boarded up. Yes. So, um, so anyway, I was being interviewed, and when they, br- you know, brought up this whole issue about not enough qualified women, I, my first reaction was that's a cop out, which I asked them to not say, and then. <laughs> And I was like, let's reword that. Let's a misnomer because um, what they're saying is I don't want to go look. Yes. Because they are out there. We have amazing talent. And sometimes, you know, like let's be creative. You know, let's say you're the CEO and you don't have a woman of color or a man of color that is uh, next level ready to bump up. So go two levels down because they're probably there you know, and pull them up. You know, there's there have been companies who've gone two levels down and pulled up a CEO. So, which was like um, Legos did that at one point. Anyway, so, you know, we can we can find high level qualified people of diversity and get them to the top. And we really want to do that. We, I, you know, it's my personal mission to advance the state of women on boards and women in senior executive position. I will do that for the rest of my life. I'm very passionate about it. And that's really where some of this book came from.
0: I am so your team. You know, I haven't taken the two programs that you talked about, but I want in on this. I'm making a public statement because I have been fighting this for years and years. And if it's not me, then I want another woman to take my place who may be younger, or I want to figure out how to seed talent, how to seed female talent for boards, period. Drop the mic.
1: Absolutely. Yes, we need the pipeline. So I'm also on the business council for exponent.org, which is uh, an organization that came out of a 20% project at Google. Rebecca Dopp is a high level leader at Google and she in her 20% time came up with exponent which is you know to exponentially uh, advance the state for women across the globe in every area but in business you know really to feed that pipeline of uh, women for senior executive positions and board seats and so uh, you know that's another way that we get to help as well but uh, to give you a little background on the book you know you'd ask about the five competencies. So this is my third book. The other two, you know, everything I do is about leadership. And, um, in 2016, you know, I was coaching CEOs and publicly traded companies and I decided I really wanted to sit on the other side of the table. I wanted to sit on the corporate board and for one board, I don't want lots of boards. I want one corporate board. And, um, so in the same day, I had two people send me this advertisement from Harvard Business School on this Women on Boards program. It's um, Succeeding as a Corporate Director, well, Women on Boards Succeeding as a Corporate Director. That's the name of it. And so uh, I, it was their first class. They'd never had it before. Uh, chance, championed by Boris Gro, Groysberg and um, I think Lynn Payne and some other professors at Harvard. And so they this program was designed to help women and i ended up getting accepted you have to go through this qualification process and that would say that you're qualified to be on a corporate board and then there were 67 women from 17 countries and i had never in my life been in a class of all women never so it was it was it was awkward for me because I just, you know, it was just so different. But, you know, we had this small group. Well, in my small group were just amazing high-level women, you know, like a, a woman, her name's Muna. She's like one of the most powerful Saudi Arabians. And, uh, you know, not, not women, total. <laughs> And so there was her, there was a, the CEO of Cable One, there were, you know, the head of women's equality at UNESCO. I mean, these the women in the small group even were incredible. And so I went through that class. Then we tried to stay together. My uh, friend and, and now co-author, Lisa Pent, tried to keep us together. She was on Wall Street. And she was just having some phone calls every two weeks to help us to continue to educate ourselves, try to help each other. And after a year and a half, another class had gone through. And now I had this this long list of women who were from these two classes. And I sat down and I made a sortable database in Excel and, because I wanted to go see people. And I wanted all of us to be able to see each other when we were in different cities. So I could just sort. I'm going to D.C. Who's in D.C.? Let's have a dinner. And um, when I finished that list, I thought, you know, if we tried we could change the world because of the powerful positions that these women were in the, uh, the network that they likely had. And so um, I asked Lisa if she wanted to do a formal network and she did, and we, we did. And now we have 195 members from um, 23 countries and it's, we have this amazing culture of helping each other, which I'll be glad to talk about. But when I, when I, was talking just before COVID nineteen hit. I was talking to my publisher about a couple of book ideas, and one of them was to do a book about the women in this network because I said, you know, their stories are incredible. They're they're tough. They're gritty. They're beautiful. They're mothers. They're you know they they've lost people. They've they've had children. You know, all during their careers while we're trying to keep it together in front of everybody else. <laughs> So I wanted to write a story about that. And so the book ended up, the book Courage to Advance, that's the one they wanted. And so we wrote that. There are 36 women from the network in this, in the book. We also have a, a lot more on podcasts, my Real Life Real Leaders podcast, which Ooh, I made I've invited you to be on. I can't wait to hear your story.
0: Thank you. I can't wait. And I made a mistake. I said five women. It's 36 women. You try.
1: There are 36 women. There are five competencies. Oh, I think five, you said it right. Okay. Okay. Um, but the competencies are hard to teach competencies that are they almost have to be caught. And so we are teaching them through storytelling. And in the book, we cover courage, resiliency, adaptability, vulnerability and sense making like stopping, you know, deep thinking about what just happened and trying to make sense of it and doing that with other people. And so that's how the stories are sorted. So we do a little teaching at the beginning of each section, then we have the stories. And then we also have a book guide for anyone who has book club so that they can, you know, work through these competencies themselves. And then we have a really cool thing, which our chief operations officer came up with. Her name's Kelly Adams. And she said, what if we put a place in the back of the book for women to write their stories in the back of the book guide? And so that's what we did. And we're hoping that people will send in their stories.
0: Well, I can't wait for you to speak to my Women's Power Pack group.
1: Oh, I look forward to that.
0: There are women in that. I will just tell you about, I shouldn't brag about just one woman, but let me give you, because of time, one example of a woman who works with war victims. Oh. Um, And she came out of a war herself. She escaped twice, two different wars. Wow. And she works with people who have suffering as a result of being War Trauma Victims. Right. Um, She also has her own podcast. And I am telling you, this woman is a powerhouse. You know, I'm using that term often, but I have to tell you, I'm so impressed by the women that I'm meeting. I really am because, you know, I am older than all of you. And I never thought I'd see this. Because in my generation, all I saw was women not, not, I'm going to emphasize that, not supporting other women.
1: That's right. I've seen a lot of that
0: myself. It was a cat call. And I'm so proud of how women have advanced, not only in their relationship to each other, but in moving up the ladder. And I, I get all choked up about it. So I put together a group of women who are just underneath the board level to support each other, but have made incredible um, contributions to the workspace. And another one is Janice Perkins, who manages, for the most part, uh, an organization called Methods of Leaders. I was just interviewed for that. Some really powerful interviews, including Marshall Goldsmith, as we talked about, uh, and some of the other people. But uh, this is just so, I'm going to tear up. I'm so proud of you and the book you've put together. And I can't wait for you to present the uh, five competencies to my group, because I know they all have it, but it's nice to read about it and to get it a perspective from a researcher and from somebody who, people who have been through this.
1: Right, exactly. You know, that's the thing. There were some of the stories that, you know, I would do an interview, I would record it, and then I would go back and I would write the story. And there were times, there were at least two times for sure, maybe three, where I can't remember if I, on the third one, but there were two at the end. When I finished writing, I just cried and cried. You know, it was like, how did they get through this? Yeah. So, so difficult. And so the stories are told. I mean, they do tell how they get through it. But, you know, it's just like, I don't know if I could have, to be honest. Yes, you, you know, could. some of those stories were so painful. But some of them, I mean, they're all beautiful stories because these these women have been extremely successful. But what they've been through on the way. And this is the, this is the point I wanted to say with, with the book is, you know, if you're a leader, you're going through some crap behind the scenes. And you're not showing that usually to everyone else, but it's going on. And so what I don't want is for leaders to think that they're looking at other leaders thinking everybody's got it together, but me. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Oh, no. No, not at all. Everyone has big challenges. And so I wanted to share some of those and how we got through them. And then at the end, we have this advice directly from each woman to the reader. And so, um, so it's pretty cool.
0: I can't wait for you to talk. Hey, Bonnie, while we have you, can you tell us about your other books that you've
1: written? I can, of course. So I have another one called um, Leading with Vision. And so our all of our stuff really comes out of our trends in executive development research that we do every two to three years since the early 80s. This was an EDA uh, research practice that we continued And we rely on it. So we go out to leading organizations and we um, survey them and we get their input verbally. And then we come back and we pull all of that information together from hundreds, thousands of companies. And we say, okay, here's a benchmark report of, you know, like best practices in executive development but also we make sense of the trends and we say, here's what's happening. Here's what we see of that. And I pull together people like Jim Kuzis, I mean, people on my advisory board, um, who and Jim Bolt, you know, lots of others who can weigh in and say, yeah, um, David Peterson, for example, was it Google? You know, these are people who weigh in and they say, you know, here's what I see. And then we all talk about what does that mean? And then we write about that and share that with whoever gets the research. And so, so in 20, 2009, the research said we do not have leaders, enough leaders who can create a compelling vision and engage other people around it. And oh. we also don't have enough hypos that the hypos don't have it either. Yeah. So, so that's where the book came from. We were, we went, we said, okay, well who's doing visionary leadership really well. And we could not find any how to training on how to do visionary leadership. And so we wrote a book. We built a class. You know, we we put it together so that people can learn the how to do visionary leadership. And then before that, my first book was Decades of Differences, which I I have to
0: mention. Your two guys, Jim and um, uh, David, and uh, Jim have both been speakers at my ACEC conference.
1: Oh, wonderful! Yeah, they're both. I love them both. They're both very valuable members of my advisor advisory board because they uh you know they really give thought and insight and you know they're not casual about it they they really think and and try to help the people yeah. out there
0: and jim is so kind he really is so yeah. kind. he said to me after the conference he said this has been the best conference i've ever been to and i said why jim and he said people were not afraid to ask me questions and challenge me oh, that's great I thought, what humility this man carries Awesome. Yeah. He's hey, great. I want to ask you a question before you talk about your other books and, and we'll, we'll have the time. Um, how, you said that you do surveys, you go into companies <clears throat> and you get responses from them. How do you get a company to pay attention to your survey? How do you get them to answer? How do you get in the Well, door? for
1: one thing, um, you know, I really can't take Ton of credit for it because honestly, Jim Bolt had built a great brand, and and we are continuing the great brand. And so you know, we EDA is known really across the world as this boutique that really is high end that has great research, great services for the top of the house. And so it's continuing that brand. And so people participate because it is a go-to. Like, I don't know of anyone else who does trends in executive development, just that top 5%, right? There's lots of leadership development, lots of the middle stuff, but for what we do, I don't know of anyone else who does a report like we do. And so we get companies who watch for it. In fact, I have companies reach out to us. When's the next one? Hmm. So we're able to get them to participate.
0: I love it. I love it because uh, I I often wonder that when I see, of course, I get research questionnaires from the Center for Creative Leadership, it's right. executive, and I thought at one point now everybody's doing a survey. I mean, you buy a dress at Macy's and they're sending <laughs> you a survey. How, please, you know, what's my reward for completing this for taking the time? Zero. <laughs> Right, Um, Because most of the time they're not read because you don't see a change, right? So I wondered, how is it that you're able to get in and get responses from these companies? Yeah,
1: so that's how we do it. And we just, you know, we have a database. And of course, if they've participated before, they're more likely to participate again. Because as soon as they, we charge $150 for the research. It's on Amazon. Um, But anyone who participates obviously gets the report for no charge. And we'll also be happy to have a call with them to talk about their own executive development and their own benchmarks.
0: Love it. I love it. Hey, uh, Ms. Carter wrote in and she said, how does a woman speak up for herself to gain traction in her career when she's constantly being looked over?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, you know, there's multiple tactics. You know, it might help to know a little bit more about you know how you're being looked over. But you know, one thing that helps is to uh, network your way to a champion that will help because it really does help. And and this is one of the things I found about the book because it's not just women that can help you. You know, other men can help you, and men do help you. So in the book, I would say every single woman, not only in the book, in the whole network that we have, has been discriminated against by men. And almost every single one of them had been championed by men. Men. Absolutely. And so oh my men gosh. play such a great role. So
0: I have to give you applause for that. And in my race, we do that by going like
1: this. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you. Yes, absolutely. True
0: statement never made. Love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So, and I, I, that's one of the reasons. Like, well, I, this book is about women, but I say right on there, this is for men too because you can see, you know, um, you can you can choose, you know, which one are you going to be? Are you going to be the champion that that these women are looking up to and appreciating, or are you going to be the one that they say that they're telling stories about, saying, "Guess what this guy did to me,"
0: right? You know, I, I'm going to tell you a story, <clears throat> and I hope that Ms. Carter is still listening. Recently, I was interviewed by Methods of Leaders, and I was going to send the interview to a potential client. I said, let me listen to it first. Didn't have a time. I didn't have time to do it, and it aired. And I sat here, and I prayed. And I looked at it, and I, and I made my husband sit right next to me and listen to it also. And I shouldn't say made. I asked him. Um, (laughs) after it was over I said what do you think and he said and it was about diversity and inclusion and he's this white Italian guy and he said darling this is just so good I'm so proud of you and I looked at him and I said yeah I'm glad you're proud of me darling but I'm even prouder of myself it's really good yeah Yay. So that's that's what we have to do. And we have to find the people that support us like that. But we I have, have to support ourselves first. So- yeah.
1: And go questions. to the, yeah, one more thing I want to say about, yes, you know, please. getting getting attention, getting promoted is, so one, look for a champion that will help you. Um, two, just try to get to the, the one next step of, you know, just keep going up next level, next level, no matter how far you get, even if you get on the board, do not settle for that. Get in the chair positions, chair a committee, chair the whole board, you know, don't stop, get the power positions. And if you can't get it where you are, I recommend you leave and go to another company. And, you know, boomerangs are a thing. So you can sometimes go to another company and come back in at a higher level. I was
0: waiting for you to finish to add that in two minds alike. Absolutely do not. Especially now with the shortage, the war on talent. Right. Great this time to do it. I'm absolutely the time to. to and, find- and
1: sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes, you know, if you grow up in a company, they see you. It's sort of like your children. It's hard to see your children the way other people see them, because first of all, they don't act the same with you. Right. But it it is hard to see them. And so if you if, you know, if you're in a company and they're seeing you as a certain level and they can't see you in another way, if you go to another company, they won't have that unconscious bias. It's it's the two analogies. If you have a photograph on your
0: desk of your child or family member that you love, you'll see it when you first put it there. Eventually, you don't see that photograph it's still there. Right. And so you stir up the waters, move the photograph around so that you continue to see it. You absolutely have to do that. You have to be, you know, here's the thing. You have to be your own champion first. Don't be afraid to brag. Don't become braggadocious, but don't be afraid to brag. And sometimes we just get so shy, especially women, about talking about our successes that we feed the line of, well, I don't even see that person. So go where you can be seen and heard and make your mark. And then if you wanna go back, that's fine at a higher level or continue your pattern of growth. Don't let not being seen hold you back ever.
1: Absolutely. You know, you're reminding me of a story, a quick story. So we were in a a group, my, my, my network members, we were in this group in Boston, and we had one of the top board recruiters in the country in the room. And he was the only person in the room who wasn't one of us. And so we uh, we were pitching to each other, you know, like I want to hear everybody's pitches so that I can tell my friends and they can tell their friends, they can tell their friends about me. I can tell my friends about them. We can really roll out our Rolodexes and help each other. And so we finished, you know, and then this person stood up and said, you know, I still don't know what most of you do. And he said, for example, and he calls out one of our members and he said, you said you founded an asset management business and then you've been in other countries and now it's very successful. And he goes, how big is it? How much under assets under management did you have and how many countries? And she says, well, we're like, um, 16 billion and 36 countries or, you know, something like that. And he says, okay, start with that and I'll follow you out of the elevator. So, you know, it's like, we're just not that good at tell it, bragging on ourselves.
0: You know, one of my favorite shows on TV, Shark Tank. Yes. Because you learn to speak up for yourself and for your company
1: in a that's way
0: true. that will attract attention.
1: Yes, and, that's true. You
0: know, One of the things, it's something as simple as having a tagline. When you ask women, particularly, what do you stand for? It's very hard for them to answer. Yes. And that's because we don't accept in ourselves the greatness that we stand for.
1: Uh, you're you're right you're very it's very true and women have a really hard time bragging on themselves even you know even as a coach you know even where i've been telling people for 25 years you know here's how you do it it's still hard for me it's much easier for me to talk about you cb and how great you are than it is for me to talk about oh, myself you i can't <laughs> <the> pay <campaign. laughs> No, it's just just easier. And that's that is one way we can help each other as women. We can be really good at promoting other women and, you know, helping each other. That was something I felt was extremely important that we build into the culture of our network is that we are 100 percent committed to each other's success. And the really great thing is that we have become that. And, you know, I hear women say how surprised and almost shocked and a little overwhelmed they are with the support from the other women. And, and what's great about when you're in a group like this, so get, first of all, get in one, whether you're a man or a woman, get in a group that you have support because it does a couple of things. One is of course we open our Rolodexes, that's big, but we also get on the phone with each other and just encourage each other sometimes. And even when we're not on the phone, it's knowing that I have this group behind me makes it somehow makes you be able to do more just knowing they're there. And so, you know, it's, it's great to have a group like that.
0: But I want to follow up with something here. Sorry, guys, my allergies are off the charts today. My eyes are itching. My nose is running. Be careful with the group you're in. Don't make assumptions that everybody's there to support you and this is the best group for you. Be willing to leave the group if it's not serving your need. This is really important for women to know. I know I was in a group of five men, the only woman, the only black person. And I was getting ready to open opened my new company, and they said to me, so we each had to make a presentation. We each had to tell our story. And They said to me after, well, <clears throat> it's not clear why you have this expertise. How, it's not clear what you would say to a reporter to attract their attention. And I said, and they said, and you need a business plan. We're not clear that you would be successful. These are all hidden bias statements and you need to recognize it. And if you're brave enough, you need to call it out because sometimes people are not aware because this is hidden bias or unconscious bias. And sometimes they are, but you have to be strong enough to say, this is not the right group for me. Yeah, that's a
1: great point. And I, you know, I've left a group that was that I actually enjoyed and was really supportive also, but it wasn't the right group for the right time. You know, so there's two things you have, you do have to be in the right one for the support and recognize when there's bias Um, but also you could be in a really great group and just not be the right one for now. And we we only have so much time.
0: I totally agree. I was in another group and it was a wonderful group of people, but their focus was not on what I needed it to be on. I needed to be purely focused on business. Yes. Theirs was a combination of business and other. And I thought, I can't, I just can't, right? Yeah but so you have to learn the art of exiting gracefully
1: the same as right just like when you leave a company
0: yes exactly so i want to mention that to to our listeners because oftentimes we get stuck and we think and then we stop contributing and then we go to the negative zone and that's the worst thing that you could do for relationship building right because even if this group is not the right group for you they may know somebody who can support you. So be careful about that. Isabella writes in. I love it when you write in. She says, I missed the very beginning of the interview. You can see it on YouTube, LinkedIn Live. Just follow me on LinkedIn Live and you'll see it. You'll also be able to listen to it on iHeartRadio, Amazon, and Apple. So we've got you covered. Um, would you please discuss the notion about joining a not a for-profit board and how to be invited to join your first board and how to prepare?
1: Absolutely. Love that. So, um, you know, just as a stepping stone, nonprofit boards and corporate boards are different because a lot of nonprofit boards, you know, they're asking you to put in money that's volunteer. Um But it still gives you some board experience. So I do recommend getting on a nonprofit board just for some board experience. And then um, taking programs like uh, CB and I have both been members of National Association of Corporate Directors. We've both taken other board classes like I took the one at Harvard and I know you took another one as well. And so, you know, educate yourself. That's important. But it really is going to be about your network. And that's this is the one thing that we're 100% sure of. You can talk to every recruiter, you can go through every class, but someone has to say, Hey, we should consider CB for this board, right? Or Bonnie or, or whomever it is. Is it, did you say Isabella? What was her name? Isabella Lundberg. Isabella. So they might say, We need Isabella to be on our board, and here's why. We need, because here's what my work with boards as I coach CEOs in the past. Uh, here's what happens. So we, the board says, hey, we have a seat coming up in May that's going to open. Who knows someone who would be good for that board? And then they throw out some names and then they say, okay, so-and-so go to lunch with them, see if they might have an interest and in then Then we'll send them to the recruiter. That's how it works. So we need to be the one in the lunch conversation, not the one in the recruiter database. I mean, we need to be both, but So you have to work your network. I say to you know, once you get all your basics done, your education, your board bio, all of that, start telling every single person that you know that you're interested in being on a board, and make sure that you're board ready. Read your books, you know, be ready, so that you know good governance. Speaking
0: of reading your books,
1: yes, read the books. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. For tell sure. A, Definitely read the books. Yes. And so, yeah, you know, your book, Bonnie, yeah, this one, read this book. And uh, there's um there's another one finding your seat at the boardroom table. Um, that's a good one. And there, there are lots of other really great ones, but you know, getting on that paid first paid corporate board seat is difficult. I've I'm on my own private boards, but I've not yet joined these other corporate boards because I was so busy building the network and doing the book. I'm just really getting started myself on heavily pursuing that. And so now it's just, you know, it's sort of a numbers game. And I'll tell you something, one of the women in our network did, which was great. And she got very disciplined. She said, I'm going to do 125 contacts in 125 days. And she did. And one of those ended up in being a board seat. It wasn't their board, but they referred her to a board, you know, so it eventually paid it actually paid off to a board seat. Wow. Wow. That is
0: amazing. You know what? How different is that than really trying to land a top position in a company? You you really have to rely on your network, even a lower position these days. That's right.
1: Yeah, it's the same. I mean, I mean, you're applying for a position a very important position and you know you have to have all the fruit on a tree which i trust that you do and then you have to use your network to get there and and if there's anything that i've been surprised at it's how difficult it is even still even with all the push for women still you know and then we have um people pushing back which makes me furious Like in California, where they finally pass a policy, which I agree with, even though I'm center right, I completely agree that we need policy, government policy around women on boards because it's not happening fast enough. And we still have people saying it's limiting, which is not true. And there's a lawsuit out of California by by some men um, that run a company out there that um, is going probably all the way to Supreme Court over this.
0: It's so wrong that in so many cases, I'm not just talking about this case, where people who are not suffering from the effects take the position of suing a legal decision to help mediate the issues.
1: Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, why, why just add, if you don't wanna get rid of somebody who's on your board, add, all you have to do is change the bylaws. You know, awesome. this is not some massive reconstruction of your whole company. We're just talking change your bylaws, add two people. We're just saying add value. Come on. It's, wow. it's ridiculous. And, and value and, and not just put people on there. Value the contribution and the difference of views that they bring, because that's what makes us more diverse. There's plenty of statistics out there. There's plenty of research out there that it helps companies to have a more diverse board. And so you know there's there's no excuse, and we're not stopping at 20 percent. We're going for 50, and so, and we're not letting up.
0: And who's to say this is terrible, this is the dark side, because you're admitting women, who's to say that the people that are the men that are sitting on your board won't resign because you're admitting women, and there you get, there you have your extra seats. <laughs> it's it's terrible. If you motivation.
1: choose to leave because you've got an intelligent group of women joining the board, then uh, then please do. I mean, I would yeah, say I mean, that, no, that would be a good thing for the company then. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And, and what's so sad is many of these companies are selling products to women. So if we went on right? strike and said, now, you know, I'm a little instigator, but... <laughs> If, you, if we went on strike and said we are not buying products or services from any company that has a board that does not have at least one woman on their board, can you imagine what the power we could bring?
1: Okay, first of all, we should do that. I mean, come oh. on. We should do that. That is a great idea. And, and while I'm saying all of this, first of all, we really should do that. We should vote with our pocket. Okay, let's do but it. Second, I don't want to, I don't I want to balance that. Um, you know, there are so many men out there that are helping like, like uh, Paul Pullman, who used to be the CEO of Unilever. He changed his board and his executive team within six years of being uh, the CEO. He had 50, 50. Now that is one of the biggest companies in the world. And if he can do it there, we can do it anywhere. So the CEO has so much to say about this. And I'm not even
0: saying 50-50. I'm going with one woman on the right. public board. Asso- I mean that's absolutely. What's our hashtag?
1: That, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Good question. We need some creativity from board? our listeners. <laughs> okay, like, listeners women hashtag vote with your pocketbook. I don't know. <laughs> Yes.
0: Okay. Whoever's listening in, send body and I suggestions for our hashtag because we have to do this. Let's stop this fooling
1: around. Absolutely. I mean, for- really. So, so many of these companies that have all men on their boards, their their customers are the majority buyers are yes. women. Yes. You know, yes. Tom, years ago I heard Tom Peters get talk giving a talk about women, and he said, you know, American women are the number one buying power in the world. Followed you- by Japanese men at the time. I don't know what it is today. but
0: it's still women at the top. I walked into a store yesterday um, to get a flannel t- uh, shirt for my husband. And they had some women's things. And I tried them on. And they were all too small. And I said, where is the full-figured ones? And they said, we have trouble getting in clothes for women because we are like a hunting shop. And I said, and who buys the clothes for the men? Do you see my husband standing here? It's me. And right. I'm looking to see what I can get for myself. And she said, you're so right. We've been fighting this.
1: I'm like, yeah. why are Because we even our buying yeah, power? We are, we have the buying power and we also are the influencers. So even if we're not the one pulling the trigger, we're the ones that are often the influence on which, which, what is bought.
0: I so agree. All right, Bonnie, let's take it on.
1: All right, let's do it.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So we are a minute over time and I really don't want this conversation to end because I'm fired up now.
1: <laughs> well, it won't end. We will continue because um, this is important conversation that we're having. You know, we, we must advance the state of women on boards and in senior executive positions.
0: Bonnie, I did not let you speak about the other two books we spoke about two of your books can you quickly tell us about the other two i want to get that well in. there's
1: there's only three so there's okay. the the leading with vision the the new book that's coming out courage to advance please buy that one if you could buy it before october 19th that helps us a little bit but all the numbers come through at one time and then um then my first book was decades of differences which i co-wrote with ken Gronbach, a demographer which it was a fascinating book to write because we took his uh, understanding of population and population growth. And we compared that with leadership and we showed how there's a big gap in leadership coming, which is now here because of when we wrote it, which is that there's just a smaller number of Gen X. So we have a leadership gap right now because of that. And um, we have, well, we have a whole talent war out there going on right now. It's totally everything's shaken up, but there is also a lack of leadership just because there's just fewer Gen Xers than there were boomers. So we talk about the demography and about how to work with all the different generations.
0: Great, I'm reading at the same time and Isabella, she stepped up to the plate. She's got a name for us. Hashtag women buying power.
1: Oh, I like it.
0: I wrote it down. Isabella reached out to us, and she said, "Thank you for excellent conversation. Let's do it." I am. So I love excited. that. I love that one. Hashtag women buying power. To the point. Yeah. So
1: we need the list of companies that do not have at least one woman on their boards. So then we can we can vote. I do not get that? How do we get that? How do we get? That? That? Do we I get don't that? know. I don't know. We need list- it. Let's we need see. somebody we need whistle we need whistleblower
0: <laughs> no I think that's public information I'm okay yes okay uh, anybody who's listening if you know of a public company
1: that I would say or private these large private companies okay. if that if you know
0: send this and we'll start the spreadsheet okay let's do it. Hey guys, I was just not expecting this one today. This was one of my best interviews ever. (laughs) I've interviewed some really amazing people, but you know, none of them allowed me to be a true rebel. So, (laughs) (laughs) bye. I love this. this. Yes. Yes.
1: We're going to start something here.
0: I love it. Hey, you, you have to come back because I want to discuss this more. okay? Okay. Audience, what could I say? Um, Listen, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if I'm here next Tuesday, uh, but I think after that, I know I keep promising you, we will start every Tuesday again. The summer will be over. My gardening will be finished. Hey, my, my secret for today, you know, I always have to give you a secret. My tomatoes are like this. They are gigantic and they're so good. I grew three different types of tomatoes this year that I have never grown before. One is called a zebra stripe and it is literally, it starts off as green striped on the outside. Then it becomes yellow, there's no red. And then it becomes yellow and green striped. and when you open it up, it's lime green. It is amazing. And then I grew a purple beefsteak heirloom tomato and then a regular tomato. And I grew two kinds of cucumbers, a white cucumber and a regular green cucumber. I had it covered. Now it's time for me to take it all apart and wait for next year. But that means I'm back on the air regularly and I can't wait to see you again. And don't forget, sometimes on Thursdays we're on. So be sure to follow me on LinkedIn to know when I'm coming back to bring you more brilliant conversation like Bonnie. Have a great, successful week, and I'll miss you until I see you again. Bye now. Thank you, Bonnie.
1: Thank you. Really enjoyed being on the program.